911, where is your emergency? On June 19th, 2015, a 911 call comes in from a farm in Marion County, Iowa, the home of Shirley and Bill Carter. Yeah, I, I need an ambulance, man. Okay, to what address? 132 Perry Street. <laughs> the caller is the Carter's son, Jason. My mom, my mom was laying here on the floor. What? Where is she, man? I don't know what happened. This week on Killer Cases. I said it had to be somebody that loved her. Is an Iowa son a seed of evil? It's a case of murder on the farm. She is gone because someone shot her. Yes. And he told me that if I didn't get on the bus, that he was going to make sure I was under the bus. I asked why he didn't farm together with his dad. And his response was, I can't because my mom is a bitch. There's only two people in this world who know what happened on June 19, 2015. And one of them is dead. The killer is still out there that shot her! For Vault Studios and the Law and Crime Network, I'm Brian Ross. This is Killer Cases, the podcast. The murder of Shirley Carter in her central Iowa farmhouse devastated and would ultimately threaten to destroy her surviving family. It's really like the most horrific nightmare you could ever imagine to lose someone that you love so dearly and then um, your family to be just shredded, ripped apart. She would be ashamed of how her family has fallen apart. At the age of 68, Shirley Carter had raised three children and spent much of her time with her grandchildren and working on the family farm, perched atop her John Deere tractor, looking after their 900 acres of soybeans and corn, according to her son, Jason Carter. She was a hard worker, that's for sure. And uh, she loved her grandkids. And, you know, I miss her. At the time of her death in 2015, Shirley had been married to Bill Carter for 52 years. Well, I, I thought I'd lost everything. Everything. I, I never had any trouble in my life. Even when we had to get married young, we never had trouble. And then for something like this to happen in our old age, it, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Bill says he replayed the image of his wife's body on their kitchen floor over and over again. And as he did, he began to wonder. Because she was laying face up, and her hands were like this across her chest. And her eyes were open. And I thought, you don't die that way. And I said to Jason, I said it had to be somebody that loved her. It was Jason. Bill and Shirley's youngest son, who first discovered the body. And he came under suspicion almost immediately, according to lead investigator Mark Ludwig, an agent with the Iowa Department of Criminal Investigation. He was immediately on my radar even before I uh, arrived on the scene. When he headed out to the Carter's farm, Agent Ludwig had already listened to Jason's 911 call. <laughs> And something just didn't sound right to him. Right away, that set bells off. 
to me, uh, in my mind, of his words that he used, uh, how he described the scene. And uh, his emotions. Ludwig wondered, how would Jason know she had been there for two hours? He's attempting to introduce that she uh, has been dead for two hours when he had a solid alibi. Two hours earlier, Jason Carter had been captured on video at a grain elevator. But that alibi alone wasn't enough to satisfy Agent Ludwig's early suspicions. My experience tells me that if, if a person goes into great detail of the crime scene, that, that is abnormal. You don't do that when you just find your mother dead on the floor uh, unless they're trying to be deceitful. Adding to Agent Ludwig's suspicions was a secret he says Jason attempted to keep from investigators and from his wife. One that was only revealed when police discovered a phone hidden under the hood of his truck in the fuse box. Further investigation would reveal he had been using the phone to send text to a local woman with whom he was having an affair. Since I didn't bring that to their attention right out of the gate, um, I guess they just assumed that I was uh, nothing but a liar. And uh, a liar and a cheat. And for, uh, for that reason, uh, the lead investigator just zeroed in right on me and uh, never lost focus. Within three days of his mother's murder, Jason Carter found himself in the back of a patrol car on the way to the local sheriff's office for questioning. Next to him in that car was his wife, Shelley Carter. They took me into a small courtroom there at the sheriff's office. And, you know, I, I will never forget that. You know, and they told me about Jason having an affair. And of course it was, you know, just like, to be honest, you know, just so disappointing. And um, more than anything, just heartbreaking. Jason Carter was taken to a separate room down the hall in the sheriff's office, where he took a seat across from Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation Agent David Overton to begin what would be a lengthy interview. So you'd have my deepest sympathy, you really do. Thanks. Okay. During the interview, Jason was asked and agreed to take a polygraph test, often referred to as a lie detector test. Okay, lean back, try and relax. So we'll begin the test. I'll have your feet flat on the floor. Sorry. I'll look straight ahead and answer no to each question. Okay. Had me sit there put the gizmo, put everything on me, and basically started to ask me questions. While the test was underway, down the hall, Shelley Carter recalls lead investigator Mark Ludwig trying to get her to turn on her husband. He told me that if I didn't get on the bus, that he was going to make sure I was under the bus. And I started to say to myself, something's terribly wrong here. But Shelley was confident her husband would pass the polygraph test and everyone could soon go home. Okay. Regarding the death of your mom, do you intend to answer each question truthfully? Yes. Okay. Did you physically hurt your mom? No. Okay. Now, this is important. When I say physically hurt your mom, 
Okay, I want you to know exactly what I mean. What I mean is, did you cause her death? No. Okay. Do you know for a fact who hurt your mom? No. Okay. Once again, I'm not, I don't want to know if you have an opinion or I think this guy. Take the question of what it means. Do you know for a fact who hurt your mom? No. The month of July is pivotal for Iowa farmers. All eyes are on the weather. Producers obviously watching the weather. And on corn and soybean prices. USDA upping its corn price forecast by a dime to an average 360, which would be for... But in July of 2015, at their farm in Lacona, Iowa, the Carter family was focused on something else. Figuring out what happened to Shirley Carter. And among some family members, suspicions about Jason Carter were continuing to mount. You gotta remember, he's still my son, and he was my favorite son. I always thought he'd farm with me someday. Jason Carter soon returned to the sheriff's office, where he learned the results of his polygraph test. We, we score him in three different ways, okay? You can show non-deception, which means that we don't see any variation. Inconclusive, which means we're not sure. Or deception, which means we haven't heard the whole story yet. And you were deceptive. The lie detector test was a, a crock of shit. That lie detector test was 110% wrong. So, ha, I don't know. Uh, they sure tried their damnedest to get me to uh, fess up to something I didn't do. Polygraph test results are not always accurate. In fact, they're wrong often enough that they are typically not admissible as evidence in court. But state police agent Mark Ludwig was still determined to use Jason's test results to bear down on him. Jason, what are the two things that you were deceptive on? Do you positively know who did this? No! Well, according to the test, you do. Well, that damn thing is wrong! It's not wrong. It is, too. It's not wrong. I never touched my mom. I never hurt her. The killer is still out there that shot her. Seemingly not getting anywhere with the polygraph test results, Agent Ludwig decided to change course, going back to the beginning, to what happened on that June morning. What happened at your mom's house? She was shot dead. I understand that, Jason. We, we need to get to the truth here. I, that is the truth. You know, I think my, so I walked in the door and my mom was laying in a Jason, pool of blood. The way he describes the body on the floor and still bleeding um, gave me great concern when I arrived on scene. I looked in the window as there's not blood everywhere. There's very minimal blood uh, on the crime scene. Okay, I walked in and found my mom dead, and that's it, Jason, period. That's not true. That is the truth. It's not true, Jason. That is to the truth. It's not true, Jason. We need to get past that, and we need to get to what the truth is. I'm telling you the truth, the god-awful truth. I'm telling you the truth. Do not tell me the truth, Jason. Yes, I am. Jason Carter was getting increasingly frustrated and angry with Agent Ludwig's questions and accusations. That guy is, uh, in my opinion, pretty much the devil. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. 
You're the one filing the polygraph examination. Nobody else fits those things. Jason, I'm confident. I agree, poor mom. She doesn't deserve this. Exactly. She doesn't deserve deserve her. If she she could talk right now, she'd strike both your asses dead because she knows I didn't do that. Okay? She does know. She would strike both your asses dead because I didn't do this. And if you keep blaming me, I guarantee both of you will go to hell because I didn't do a damn thing to my mom. Well, Jason, I'm going to keep telling you you did it because you did. No, I did. And together we can get past this. (sighs) But you condemning me to hell isn't going to change the facts of what occurred. One of those facts was that the Carter house appeared to have been ransacked something Jason Carter pointed out to his father right away that morning. And he said, Dad, look, somebody's robbed you. And when I went into my office, all my drawers had been pulled out and dumped, just dumped. They hadn't went through anything. They were just dumped. And then he said, let's go in the bedroom. When her drawer, where she keeps her bras and her panties, was open and nothing was taken. Her purse was hanging on our granddaughter's high chair, and she had $140 cash in it, and she had credit cards in there, and none of it had been touched. So it it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. It made sense to Agent Ludwig. The crime scene is that of, of a adolescent mindset, I need to stage this robbery. I need to uh, make this look like a robbery. And um, at that point, no one knew the bedroom was ransacked other than Jason Carter. So how how was he known privy to that information when nobody else was? According to Agent Ludwig, Jason Carter also had quickly identified two bullet holes, one in the floor and one in the refrigerator. You know what, I've done this a very long time, and you're right, people do re- react with disbelief and stuff when they find a body like that. You know what they don't do? They don't survey a crime scene and start telling me where bullet holes are at, Jason. That's what they don't do. The gun used to kill Shirley Carter was never found, but Jason, early on, suggested it was a hunting rifle found missing from his father's gun safe in the basement. A Remington Bolt Action 270. What, what do you think was used to shoot your mom? I think that 270 rifle was used to shoot my mom. Where'd it go? You tell me. I don't know. I think you know that's the murder weapon because you know what happened. No, I don't. Clearly, I believe Jason Carter knows exactly where that gun was on that crime scene. Um, he placed that gun somewhere. I don't know where he put it. But neither Jason nor the agents interrogating him were going to budge as the interrogation session stretched into the evening. These two guys were in my face a foot away, just just ripping into me, saying, you know, you did this, you know you did this. This doesn't matter. My mom is gone, and you you can't tell the truth. Bullshit. Bullshit. You're right. Your mom is gone. She is gone because someone shot her. Yes, you did, Jason. No, I step up and take responsibility for your actions. What is wrong with you? 
What is wrong with you people? I would never harm a hair on my mom's head. It was only after Jason's wife, Shelly, demanded to talk to him on the phone that the agents relented. She demanded uh, that I, you know, she was either coming in or I was coming out. She said she wants me to quit talking to you and me to get out now. That's fine. Like I told you from the very beginning or whatever, you're more than welcome at any time. Okay, I mean, I'll, I'll go. But I don't have anything to hide, Mama. I told him there's no way I'd hurt my mom. So, uh... That's when I got up and I walked out. Shelley says she always believed her husband when it came to his claims of innocence, and she was preparing to go to war for him. I never had my doubts about Jason's involvement with his mom. Now, did I have doubts about our marriage? Oh, you're not kidding. I mean, you know, just what a disappointment. But... I couldn't, listen, I could have been a scorned wife because that's what Mark Ludwig wanted me to be. But I was raised that you do things because you know they're right. And I knew that he didn't have anything to do with his mom's death. So it wouldn't be right for me to be a scorned wife and say, you cheated on me. Now you can pay for your mom's death. That wouldn't be right. It didn't have anything to do with it. Well, I wanted some kind of justice for my wife. Some kind of justice. I didn't want her dying and no justice whatsoever. In the months after his wife's murder... Bill Carter was after justice. That's one of the first things his attorney, Mark Weinhardt, says he noticed about the case. The first thing that just stood out about this case was the unimaginable tragedy of a man losing his wife of 52 years and coming slowly to the conclusion in the days after the homicide that his son was the killer. But Bill's son, Jason, had walked out of the sheriff's office with no criminal charges filed something Bill saw as a failure. The police didn't do a good job. So Bill Carter hired his own private detective to investigate and re-examine the evidence in the case. The thing that took Bill down the path of believing that Jason was the killer was the evidence. Starting with something Jason had said about the gun safe in the basement, where one rifle, the likely murder weapon, had gone missing. And they said, we don't know anything about a gun safe. We don't know anything at all about a gun safe. I didn't even know he had a damn gun safe till just recently. Well, I knew that was a lie because I knew they had gotten it for me for Christmas. A photograph would later be found of Jason and his then toddler son assembling the gun safe for Bill Carter on Christmas morning. He and his wife both lied constantly and... That made it easier for me to tell the truth about what happened. And more troubling to him, Bill Carter says his son knew right away that morning that Shirley Carter had been shot twice. There was no way you would know that unless you did it. And then I knew that he did it. I knew he did it or hired it done, one or the other. Both Bill Carter and Agent Mark Ludwig agreed on a motive, 
the affair Jason was having. I believe he needed to stop his mom from telling his dad that he's having an affair. I have no time for that. And he knew it too. I think he meant to kill both of us. I do. I think he was going to club me with something and then put a gun in my mouth. All this time, Jason was back on his farm, tending to his fields, well aware that his father was turning against him. He looked at me, and I've seen that look, I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many other times of uh, when he's just sure about something. And uh, he said, uh, he looked at me, and he said, you know, I've got it figured out. It had been more than a year, a full season of planting and harvesting, when Bill Carter stopped waiting on the criminal investigation and decided to take his son to civil court. Bill decided to take matters into his own hands, and so he filed the lawsuit. A civil action against his son, Jason, blaming him for Shirley Carter's wrongful death. It was the subject of the last conversation father and son ever had. And then he said, what are you going to do today, Dad? And I said, I'm going up to see my lawyer. And he hit the the counter, the kitchen counter, hard. And he said, my life is over. My life is over. For five days, the civil trial pitted father against son. Jesus, you know, what father does this to their child? What father does this? During a deposition... Jason was asked to recall the morning he says he discovered his mother's body in the kitchen. She was just laying there, uh, looking off like, and I knelt down. And I grabbed her pant leg and shook it and said, Mom, you know, hoping she'd respond somehow. Did you scream? No. Were you, were you crying? You know, I, I was, I, I think I, I don't, it was just shock. Bill Carter's attorney, Mark Weinhardt, was not convinced by Jason's story. In reality, killers come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, what I'll tell you is, that Jason came across to us in the civil trial as number one, highly insincere, and number two, uh, very shifty. On the other side of the case, Jason Carter's lawyers were convinced the civil case was a ploy designed to spur a criminal charge against Jason. We know that the prosecutor was sitting in the civil trial the entire time, taking notes. So in our opinion, law enforcement the state of Iowa, and Bill Carter worked hand-in-hand. In a criminal trial, for a defendant to be found guilty, the prosecution must convince a jury of that defendant's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But in a civil trial, the burden of proof is much lower. Even so, attorney Mike Weinhardt says the case was no slam dunk. Convincing a jury that a son is going to kill his mother in the kitchen of the farmhouse where that son was raised just sounds like quite a mountain to climb. But in the end, the jury took only two hours to reach a verdict. I guess I had a bad gut feeling, and, uh, you know, my gut feeling was spot on. Jason Carter, 
guilty, liable, ordered to pay $10 million. When they came back uh, with that $10 million judgment, uh, I kind of figured everything was going to go to hell from there. Prosecutors soon decided they had enough evidence to charge Jason Carter with murder. Agent Mark Ludwig made sure he was the one to put Carter in handcuffs in front of Carter's teenage son. And he said, I've been waiting two and a half years to do this. He said, do you have anything to say, you pussy? Now, much more was at stake than a $10 million judgment. Jason Carter, if found guilty, would be sentenced to prison for the rest of his life with no chance of parole. statements this afternoon is an Iowa son a seed of evil it's a case of murder on the farm the trial of Jason Carter was scheduled for March of 2019 but before testimony got underway behind the scenes Jason Carter was offered a plea deal five years or so in prison instead of a possible life sentence with no parole if convicted at trial boy you know you you're a person's pretty Larry uh, after going through a civil suit and them taking two hours to come up with a, a, a guilty, you, you know, you, you just hate to put your hands into uh, into the jury again. But Jason's wife, Shelly, says she put her foot down. No way in hell. Because Jason already spent five days in jail. And I said to him, you're not going to spend another day, not one more day, in jail or prison for something you didn't do. Your mom wouldn't be okay with it. I'm not okay with it. You're coming home to us. So the trial would move forward, beginning with opening statements on March 11th, 2019. On behalf of the state, you may read the charge and make your opening statement. Ed Bull, the county attorney prosecuting the case, starts by describing Jason Carter as a man who acted out of greed, who may have even planned to kill both his parents to get his hands on their farm, a property valued at $6 million. They weren't ready to retire and let Jason Carter have Carter Farms. So you might be wondering, if Jason Carter couldn't run Carter Farms instead of his parents, why didn't he just run Carter Farms with his parents. Jason Carter, the man sitting in that chair right there, said he could never go into business with that bitch. Jason Carter's defense attorney, Christine Branstead, tries to offer a much different characterization of Jason and of his relationship to his mother. That Jason Carter was a son who loved his mother, spent a lot of time with her, Branstan knows it will be essential for the defense to get ahead of some of the testimony expected to come later on in the trial. The state calls uh, Brandon Smith, Your Honor. One of the witnesses later called by the prosecution would be Brandon Smith, a local farm equipment salesman who knows the family and Jason well. I asked why he didn't farm together with his dad, and his response was, I can't because my mom is a bitch. Did it surprise you when he said that? A little, yes. Why? 
Um, I have known Shirley about as long as Bill, and it was just, she didn't strike me as that person. Um, I've, I guess I just didn't realize that that was how he felt, I guess. Kind of took me back a little. But perhaps the strongest witness for the prosecution would testify on day four of the trial. If I can get you to raise your right hand for me, please, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Please be seated. Jason's father, Bill Carter, takes the stand. That was my biggest concern going into the trial, is that a jury would think, well, if the father thinks he did it, he must have done it. Prosecutor Ed Bull begins with questions aimed at backing up the alleged motive, money. Did you start to have concerns that Jason was going to struggle to pay off his farming debts? Yes, I did. Mark Weinhardt, Bill Carter's attorney from the civil case, says he'd heard all about the debts Bill testified about. Jason, at the time of the murder, was deeply in debt. Bill was interested in farming with Jason to try to help him out. Shirley was dead set against it and did not want Bill and Jason to be farming together. And so Shirley was really the person standing in the way of the solution to Jason's financial problems. How much was he going to come up short? I assume somewhere between 100 and 150,000. As he's up on the stand, Bill Carter knows his testimony could put his son in prison for life. Yeah, it bothered me. That's just because I loved him. I couldn't, you can't stop loving somebody. He did something terrible, but you can't stop loving somebody. The emotion is raw as the questioning turns to the moment Bill found the body of his wife of 52 years. What did you see? I found Shirley on the floor. And she was just looked like she was sleeping. Her eyes were closed. Her hands were crossed. And her legs were crossed. And I picked her head up. And I held her. When the defense begins to call witnesses, it becomes clear that no single piece of evidence would prove more important than the surveillance video showing Jason Carter at the grain silo between 9 and 10 in the morning, an hour's drive away from his parents' home. The way Jason's defense attorney, Christine Branstan, sees it, that video showed Jason's innocence. Meaning that Jason Carter could not have been at the home at the time that Shirley Carter was killed. The defense would hammer that point home while questioning forensic pathologist Cyril Wecht, asking Wecht how long Shirley Carter had been dead when her body was found. My opinion, I would express, would be around uh, two hours. The time of death was absolutely crucial and I believe all medical evidence points towards a time of death at the point when Jason Carter would have been at Cargill. Get you to raise your right hand for me, please. Do you swear to tell the truth? Another key witness for the defense, not for the prosecution, strangely enough, is the state police lead investigator who had focused on Jason. My name is Mark Ludwig. I have never been involved in a case or seen a case of any significance where the state did not call the lead investigator. In calling Ludwig to the stand, 
What the defense aims to show is a failure by Ludwig and others to follow up on tips from local residents that three area men with long criminal records may have killed Shirley Carter during a botched robbery. At least a dozen of those people say that it was a burglary gone wrong, correct? I'm not sure how many people, but yeah, burglary gone wrong was something that we knew by noon on the day of the homicide was going around the small community. But again... Not to my knowledge. And again... I don't remember. And again... I don't know. The agent is stymied by the questions. I'm, I'm definitely confused at this point. Or cannot seem to remember certain details. I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my career and during interviews, and so I'd hope I wouldn't have done that. What we were able to show is that they weren't fully investigated and the door was open that they or anyone else could have been guilty. But none of the three men had been charged in connection with Shirley's murder, a point prosecutor Ed Bull makes clear to the jury. Were there any alternative suspects that came to light? Not from anyone other than Jason Carter. Sir, has there been anyone during the investigation of the death of Shirley Carter that provided information that was consistent with what you found at the crime scene? Yes. Who was that person? Jason Carter. Jason Carter ever shed a tear? Not once, never, until this courtroom. As day seven of the trial gets underway, many in the courtroom are eagerly waiting to find out if Jason Carter is going to take the stand and once again attest to his innocence. But the defense soon puts that anticipation to rest. And, Your Honor, the defense rests. Very well. We had never really considered the idea of not putting Jason on the stand until the very end of the trial. Lawyers are tricky, and the prosecutor is an excellent lawyer. And there's a good chance that he could have, you know, made Jason say something or that Jason would have gotten confused by the questioning. Ladies and gentlemen, that means the evidence is done. Um, as the saying goes, it's all over but the shouting. Without testimony from Jason, the trial heads straight to closing arguments. There's no dispute someone committed murder in the first degree. The question is, the who is that somebody? Prosecutor Ed Bull knows there is no physical evidence from the crime scene to connect Jason Carter to the murder. No fingerprints... No weapon, nothing. And the judge had not allowed the prosecution to reveal a handful of other details about Jason. Details Bill Carter's attorney, Mark Weinhardt, suggests may have supported the prosecution's motive. The jury didn't hear about the affair. The jury had a much more limited understanding of Jason's financial circumstances and the family strife that that caused. And so the jury had a much weaker understanding of why Jason would have done this. The case would come down to circumstantial evidence. How does Jason Carter know his parents' bedroom is ransacked for any other reason than Jason Carter is the one who did it? While delivering his statement, Ed Bull scoffs at the defense position that law enforcement failed to investigate other possible suspects, calling it a distraction. The only reason that story, these alternative suspects, make sense is because it's an attempted burglary. Well, who caused the attempted burglary? Jason Carter, by staging. 
he also addresses Jason's relationship with his mother. There was friction. We got told we were going to hear this story about this loving family with no conflict. And what you heard was just the opposite from Mr. Carter, Bill, and from Brandon Smith. And his response was, I can't because my mom is a bitch. There's only two people in this world who know what happened. And one of them is dead. And the other one's sitting behind me. Based on the evidence and in support of that evidence, the state of Iowa requests that you find Jason Carter guilty of murder in the first degree. Then it's the defense's turn. I believe we are ready for closing statement on behalf of the defendant, Ms. Branstad. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court. This was a case built against Jason Carter instead of a case trying to solve a crime and look at all the clues. And let's look at all the other leads that weren't followed. There were so many statements made about three individuals who don't have an alibi. The defense's other main point is the video showing Jason Carter at the Cargill Grain Elevator pulling away in his semi-truck just before 10 in the morning, about an hour's drive away from his parents' home. Rest assured, the state has not had anyone who testified they believe Shirley Carter died after 10.30. Not one. There's no one who says they believe that time of death was later. But any one of those means Jason Carter could not have been there. And at the end of this case, there are so many holes in this investigation. There's so much that isn't even explored. And in reality, the forensic evidence not only says that there's reasonable doubt, the forensic evidence says Jason Carter couldn't possibly be guilty. Shirley Carter died long before that, probably while he was at Cargill on video. I ask you to return a verdict of not guilty. As the jury went out to deliberate, our main hope was that they would look at the evidence and the lack of evidence and that they wouldn't be distracted by a family that had turned against Jason. As the jury is left to deliberate, Jason Carter is nervous, wondering if he will soon hear the judge read off a guilty verdict, bracing for the possibility of life in prison. You know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. He texts his teenage son, Chase, and five-year-old daughter, McKenna. Just in case. I said, Daddy loves you very much. And that I would, uh, I'll be home to see you soon. That was real hard. But I felt like I needed to do that because you never know what a jury's thinking. Jason would find out just two hours later. You may be seated, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, have you reached a verdict? Yes, we have. And so I prepared Jason for the worst possible verdict and made some requests that he not overreact if he got a negative verdict. Form of verdict number one. He was shaking gray, and I have no color in his skin at all. We, the jury, find Jason Carter not guilty. Um, is that your verdict, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, it is. 
Mr. Bull, do you care to have the jury polled? No, sir. Very well. <clears throat> started to cry visibly, and I think it was just the release of the pressure and the tension and what he had gone through. Relieved at the verdict, Jason kisses his wife, who had stood by him through it all and encouraged him to go to trial. ...of acquittal, uh, any bond previously posted by the defendant uh, will be released and exonerated. Um, anything further on behalf of the defendant at this point, Ms. Branstead? No, Your Honor. Following the trial, Bill Carter is left devastated. They took me out of the courtroom as fast as they could get me out of there. The DA took me downstairs where I cried. I knew it was over with. And I loved my wife. I loved her dearly. And I was afraid what would happen is exactly what happened. I, would, I was afraid there would be no verdict. And now she's a, what you call a cold case. She's a cold case. Prosecutor Ed Bull would remain sure Jason Carter was the killer even after hearing the verdict. I wouldn't have signed my name to the trial information and brought this case if I did not believe Jason Carter was responsible. We want to be certain we have the right guy. And we, we were certain we did. The jury saw it differently. Jason and Shelley have filed a lawsuit against Mark Ludwig, who declined to comment, as well as some of the other investigators, and against his own father, Bill Carter, although Jason has since dismissed the claims against his father, according to reporting from a local newspaper in Iowa, the Ottumwa Courier. Shelley Carter says their only goal now is to bring a fresh perspective to the case. We want a new set of eyes on this case in the worst way. We want an investigator who is going to investigate. We're over five years now, and we're still fighting. And um, you know what? I tell you what, we're not about to stop. Nope. Killer Cases, the podcast, is a production of the Law & Crime Network and Vault Studios. You can watch Killer Cases on the A&E Network and the True Crime Network. Refer to your local programming guide for full details. Brian Weiss, John Ford, and Will Johnson are executive producers with Vault Studios. Reed Redman and Will Johnson produced and edited the podcast. Killer Cases, the television series, is written and presented by me, Brian Ross, and produced and directed by Rhonda Schwartz. Executive producers are myself, Brian Ross, and Rhonda Schwartz with Ellsworth Productions, and Rachel Stockman and Dan Abrams with Law & Crime Productions. Also, thanks to producers Sam Kelly and Jennifer Tinter, and editors Danny Hilton and Nick Teodori. Killer Cases is produced in partnership with Cineflex Rights and True Crime Network. Thank you.